Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Sunday evening. We're going to hear later on from Cork Camogie manager Matthew Toomey after a heartbreak again at Croke Park for the Rebels. Jeremy McCarthy was in Bishopstown for an under-21 Cork LGFA doubleheader. We'll get all the reaction from those two finals. Man United currently leading Nottingham Forest with 72 minutes gone at the city ground 1-0 the score there Arsenal dropped points earlier at West Ham we'll have a round up from that we'll talk basketball later on and hear from Glenmar captain Anya McKenna and Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings reflects on a big win for Munster in Cape Town last night all of that between here and seven in the year with you until 7 o'clock on the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM as I said there Nottingham Forest they just went close to equalising with Man United Man United have dominated them to be fair for most of this second half anyway and uh, it was Anthony in the first half who got the goal for Man United there we'll keep an eye on that the other game today of course Arsenal, the league leaders, will they regret this uh, two-all draw with West Ham? Two big points dropped. Man City now lurking with a game in hand and of course on the horizon as well is that game between Arsenal and Man City which is going to be a cracker and it could be, could very well be a league decider. If Arsenal get the win there you have to say they're, they're probably home and hosed uh, they should be safe if they do manage to get the win there but if City, City get the win against Arsenal then uh, it's uh, certainly game on. Here's Guy Swindles from the London Stadium West Ham 2, Arsenal 2. Arsenal 2. For the second weekend running, the Gunners have thrown away a two-goal lead and had to be happy with a point. Not really what they wanted in the race for the title. Manchester City now just four points behind with a game in hand. West Ham deserved their point, though. They came back from a brilliant start from the Gunners. Jesus and Odegaard scoring in the first ten minutes. West Ham got a penalty, though, after the half-hour mark. Ben Rama slotting home. And then the moment when the match changed. Saka had a penalty to make it 3-1. He missed. West Ham went up the other end. Bowen scored. It was end-to-end, toe-to-toe after that. But it finished. West Ham 2, Arsenal 2. Yeah, it really was a, a cracker of a game. West Ham looked the more likely in the end to get it. And Michel Antonio missed an absolute sitter of a header. No, well, sitter. It was a difficult header, but uh, clipped the outside of the post. He should have been doing better. It was a massive chance. Uh, Manchester United just had another opportunity. Kaylor Navis in goal for Nottingham Forest has been unbelievable. He made a cracking save off Bruno Fernandes about 10 minutes ago. Um, and he's kept Forest well in this and they're on the attack and they very well could get something out of it. If they get a point, they'll come out of the bottom three. If United get at a point, they move into the top three. Uh, so massive, uh, massive, massive six-pointer for very different reasons. United would like that cushion and capitalise on the results such as Newcastle losing yesterday and going back ahead of them. We'll keep an eye on that 75 minutes gone at the city ground. Right, lots of Gaelic games action to get to. Obviously, heartbreak again for the Cork Senior Camogie team in the Division 1A final of the National League at Croke Park. We're going to hear from boss Matthew Toomey. But first, let's uh, have a listen to the full-time report 
as Monaghan have come back to beat Tyrone. 217 to 118 it ended and uh, it sounded like an absolute cracker of a game. Here's Ashling O'Reilly. It's full time here at Healy Park in Oma. It finished Tyrone 118, Monaghan 217. Edge of your seat stuff. Tyrone led by five points in the break. Derek Hanavan with a brilliant goal early in that first half. Monaghan then started to find their form, kicking four points without reply. Full pack Kieran Duffy opened the scoring of that second half. Maddie Donnelly finally got Tyrone's first with 50 minutes gone. The game changing moment was when Monaghan's Stephen O'Hanlon took his man on and went straight for goal and made no mistake by blasting it into the back of the net to give them a one point lead. It's been a game of two halves. Tyrone the better team in the first and Monaghan the much better team in the second. Derek Hanavan leveled the game 114 apiece with a super point from play as defenders chased him. Conor McManus and Darren McCurry then traded freeze each end to level things once more. But deep into injury time, Ryan O'Toole was full of confidence in his championship debut and put the ball low and hard into the back of the net to seal the victory for Monaghan. Conor McMahon is doing what he does best, kicking nine points here today. And Monaghan will go on now to face Derry in the Ulster semi-final. The full-time score, Tyrone 118, Monaghan 217. And Manchester United have just doubled their lead against Nottingham Forest and it's a lovely goal by Diogo Dallo. I'm delighted for Dallo. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, hasn't had a great uh, couple of months since the World Cup but he's playing left back today. That's a cool finish with the right foot slipped uh, through by Anthony as well who's had a cracker, a goal and an assist now for him off the right wing. Uh, 2-0 to United with 77 minutes gone and uh, big celebrations as well by Diogo Dello uh, who was unbelievable at the start of the season his form just fell off a cliff then and uh, and Armand Bissaka became the first choice at right back um, but yeah Forrest now in big trouble they're not going to get that point they need to get out of the relegation zone but uh, United will be very happy although they were 2-0 up as well last Thursday with 77 minutes gone and it didn't go too great there either um, but we'll keep an eye on it uh, right Heartbreak for Cork, as we said, in Croke Park in the National League final. Uh, 2 13 to 1 12 it finished. Cork just couldn't get going in the second half. Uh, I think they got three points in total in the second half. Um, they won nine scored at half time. So, you know, they'd be massively, or 1 8 actually, I think they got four points. Um, they'd be massively disappointed because uh, the game was definitely there for them. Then Galway got a crucial goal with about. Uh, I think 60 or uh, 50 something minutes on there, 45 minutes on the clock um, Galway got a pretty important goal and uh, Cork were just fighting an uphill battle from there I spoke to Matthew Toomey after, afterwards on the phone and uh, big thanks to Matthew for speaking with us because uh, unfortunately I've been there too as a losing manager all too often it's very difficult to do interviews um, after losing a big game like that one uh, but here was Matthew Toomey on today's game all right, Cork Senior Camogie Manager Matthew Toomey is on the line now. Matthew, commiserations. Um, it was uh, it was it was a cracking game. To be fair, what are your thoughts on it? Um, look, I suppose we put ourselves in a good position at halftime to, to win the game. Um, our conversion rate in the second half was thirty three percent, and it's not that's not going to win much games, Felix. So um, you can't fault the players for the effort and. You know, and the way we put ourselves in a position to win the game, but ultimately that wasn't good enough in the end. 
Yeah, you mentioned the, the accuracy there in the second half and look, I suppose it happens uh, and it happens in finals as well where you just, you can't seem to get the ball on target and uh, look, it's the worst time to happen, isn't it? But uh, that's just the way it goes, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I think we, the shots on target, we had 26 shots, um, was way more than McCall we had, but they're, they're, they had 100% efficiency in the second half. When like we had a couple of goal chances, we were very unlucky. Or the cannon came off the post. Um, we missed the follow up. There's another one. Sorsha McCartan has an, um, an opportunity to score a goal as well. And look, we, we felt she was fouled, but it wasn't given. They're the breaks you get, but we still had an opportunity to score a follow up. We didn't. You know, you, you, you can't fault the efforts, but just, it was just the finishing. You know, that's what wins the games. For like this, this is why we're going away from Crown Park with a loss again. Like so, you know, we just have to kind of. Digest this so you know, give it a few days and, and, and digest it and roll up the sleeves again and see where we can right the wrongs and you know and try and, try and rectify it. Just looking at the first half, like it was a great start. Obviously, the perfect start, you know, getting a goal and uh, obviously a bit of fortune in it too. But you need that, um, and, and that sets you up so early on in the game. And like you said, going in at half time with a, a couple of points lead, uh, you would have felt pretty happy with that. Absolutely, I, I think we finished the half well. We got four unanswered points. Um, and we were in half time and we were just kind of, you know, like I suppose our principles and our honest, we were hitting our targets. And, you know, we were just, I suppose the emphasis was on the third quarter. And as I say, we had a couple of chances we didn't take. We got one point from playing the second half, which is criminal. But I think we only got four points. So, look, you, you, you get what you saw. Like, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. Like, you know, we're, we had the opportunities, we didn't take them. They got the opportunities and they took them. And, you know, like they did two shots at goal, they got two goals. I think we had six. We got one, so that's the chances. Like, oh, but look, like, we're very disappointed. Obviously, like you know, um, that's our fourth final now after losing in a row in the, in the national level. And you know, we have to pick ourselves up. We've water for now two weeks in the Munster Championship down the park. Um, we have to pick ourselves up though, in our first All Ireland series game is against Galway again. So you know, we just yeah. have to. Yeah, you know, it's tough going. Yeah, and and like I, I suppose looking at Galway, then Kerry Dolan, like obviously was excellent. I think it was one eight and all, and those long range frees, like they're so difficult to navigate around because any mistake you make inside inside your own half, even around you know, but oh, past halfway, like her long range free taking was brilliant, and you just get punished for all those little things. Like in some, you know, you think you're giving away a free in a in a fairly you know innocuous position, but sometimes it, it, you come you come up against somebody that's just able to punish you from from so far out. Absolutely, like and, and great credit to her. Like you know, I, I, I think she missed one for the day, um, and a lot of them were difficult ones. And like, and as you say, like you're, it puts you under pressure because you make any foul up the field anywhere at all, you're punished. Um, and, and that's great credit to her. Eva Donahue was very quiet on top of Libby inside when she came out midfield. She had a, a sport for about ten minutes, and you know she put us under first pressure. And, um, look, that's that's when they, they they they've like when you're playing in games like this. You know, they had the experience. Like we're, we're gonna have to experience a lot of our lads after experiencing losses. Like so, their head starts turning the wrong way. But, but when they got a sniff of us at all, like they were there to punish us. And that's the difference between teams are winning and teams are losing. And unfortunately, we're on the streak at the moment, losing. And you know, if you have to be brutal honest, I think that that was a big key to it. Like you know, when the game is in a little pot, they were kind of looking to win the game. We we didn't respond, and that's that's uh, the thing we have to look at now. And you say, as you said, attention turns now to the championship, and like it's a short runoff. Um, how do you go about moving on from today and leaving it in the past in such a short turnaround? 
it's, it's, Nick, there's, there's no point saying any different. It's, it's going to be difficult you know, for the next few days. Um, look, the players have been unbelievable. Like since I, I like I've been involved with them a long time now. Since I took over the manager's role, like they, they've been unbelievable. They, you know, the response to defeats and despite the disappointments, and I, 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 I don't see anything, any reason I suppose that for for that to be any different. I, I think we will get a response off them and. It's this, this, like it's, it's up to us now to see. We, we have to put the things in motion for the players. So, like, as a management, we have to come together now and see what's the best opportunities, what's the best options we have for them. And um, like we, we, like we were just discussing it to ourselves in, 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 in the dressing rooms, the management, like, and and just seeing what can we do to, to help the players out to, to get over us. And you know, that's that's the million dollar question at the moment. And like you said, then there is that opportunity in the All Ireland series. It's becoming a great rivalry, isn't it? Yourselves in Galway, you will have another chance. So maybe that's that's something to look forward to too. It is because look, we haven't beaten them since 2017. So look, they're they're probably looking forward to it more than we are. But we we have to get a streak into us now. You know, we have to get a rootless streak into us, and it's just how to manage that and how to bring that out in the players is the next thing. Matthew, massively appreciate you taking the call. Thanks a million for speaking to us on the Big Red Bench and the very best of luck for the coming weeks in the build-up to championship. Yeah, Matthew Toomey there, uh, great honesty, speaking after today's defeat in the league final against Galway. Um, yeah, just I suppose all they can do is, is uh, get back on the get back in the horse and, and keep going and uh, try and prepare as best they can for that uh, championship opener against Waterford. And we wish them the very best of luck. All right, there was a double header in Bishopstown today in the, the Cork LGFA Under Twenty One County Championship. Uh, first up, it was Le School versus Iban, and Le School came out two seven to one eight victors. Two Laney O'Sullivan goals uh, powered them to victory in the Under Twenty One D County Final. Jeremy McCarthy was there for us. He spoke to Liskould managers Brian Duggan and Vince O'Sullivan. I'm with the victorious Liskould mentors Brian Duggan and Vince O'Sullivan following their own 21D county final win over Iban. Brian, first of all, congratulations. Iban made you work for it though. Oh, they did. They were, um, they were outstanding. We were uh, we were really up against this, but we knew that coming out here. Any team coming from West Cork, we carried West Carby last week and they were very good, but Iban really pulled up to us and uh, we were hanging on by our coattails, but we got there and we're delighted. They're a great group of girls. Um, being honest with you we were working like dogs for the last three months and we've, we've lost two county finals in junior we've lost the minor final so they needed this and hopefully we'll kick on now in the junior this year uh, but those two Laney O'Sullivan goals sublime goals that they were proved crucial yeah absolutely and look Brian said it to the girls at the start that we need to get goals against this team because they're very organised they're very good they play as a team but I think those two goals did change it for us um, and then obviously look we played we played lots of part of the game there were 14 men um, at two, two cents but the girls dug in and that was the most important thing and look that's the fight in them they've been training since the end of January and look credit to them they deserve to win today we're delighted for them and just finally, what does this mean for the club winning an under-21 county title? Oh, it's huge. Like, you know, it's under-21, it's a D final, it is what it is. But we see girls here playing with the club since they're five and six years of age and they've stuck with it. So we're absolutely delighted. And this will be the milestone for the rest of the, the village here now to say, listen, we have a team here good enough to win a county final um, and it'll create, uh, it'll bring on the younger girls as well to do more for the club. So it's absolutely huge, huge win for the club. Okay, congratulations to you both. Well done. Thanks very much, sir. Thanks, Thanks sure. Also spoke to the school captain Laura Murphy and Derek Neary.
I'm joined here by Lisco's Laura Murphy and Dara Canary following their under-21D county final victory. Laura, captain, fantastic result for the club considering you've had a bit of heartache in recent times. What does this mean for this group of players? Absolutely, brilliant result. It hasn't been easy the last two years. The heads would go if we didn't get the win today. It'll drive us on now for the rest of the year and it'll give a great boost to the club and to Lisco ladies football. Some battle you got for my band. They really put it up to you. Jesus, they did. They surely did. We were expecting a tough, now, a tough competition and we're we had to get it right now for the final for once uh, Dara Canary congratulations what does this mean you, you've represented your county but what does it mean winning a county title like this with your club oh sure it's unreal you know it's like the stereotypical thing everybody says it's lovely to win with girls you've been playing with forever and sure I remember going down to under sixes with the girls and sure it's all the same group Claire has gone to England but sure she's back now today for the final to support us and drive us on and you know it means so much to everybody personally and stuff Eilish's just back from breaking her wrist and you know it's a hard couple of weeks few months so it's great to be back and get a win for everybody um, it was on a 4G pitch today something you might not have encountered in the championship D- did you take a bit of time to get settled I know Laney got the goal early on but after that he took a while to settle yeah it would shed the nerves as well near the start the first 10 minutes we were very shaky altogether. but you know we played Mitchell's down on this pitch and it was a shaky enough or a bad day and you know the wind and the rain but it was a lovely day today and so we love we're good for a bit of pace and stuff so it kind of helped us out in the end and they certainly put it up to you and they got that goal late on were you getting a bit worried or had you done enough oh sure at half time we, were, we said we'd start from square one and we wouldn't get complacent at all but when the goal went in there all right there was a bit of panic the yellow cards you know sure you know yourself but in the end we got there and just finally a great support here today as well huge crowd oh we have a great village we're used to we're used to going supporting all the lads we've had a great few years the lads have had a great few years winning counties and East Corks and all the rest of it we supported them so thank God a few of them came out here and everyone else that goes to their matches came out here to support us today well they're waiting for you there to continue the celebration so congratulations and enjoy the night thank you very much thanks very much yeah well done to Liskould in their victory there um, after that it was the Cork LGFA under 21C county final Rockbawn beating Castlehaven 3-8 to 1-13 let's hear first from Jock, John McGuckian the Castlehaven manager uh, John McGuckian obviously heartbreak for Castlehaven losing a county final by a point but by God did you put some effort in that second half uh, yeah, you know, you're always kind of left speechless. I suppose we're used to winning, winning a lot of them, but uh, uh, look, first and foremost, it was a brilliant game. Yeah. A brilliant game between two brilliant teams. Um, do you know, we kind of felt we were probably lucky to be only two points behind at half time. Yeah. Um, we knew they threw a lot, a lot at us, and we were kind of hoping, you know, that all that energy ex- expanded would have, would have maybe um, stood us in the second half, and I think we probably found a second lease of life. Um, we had our opportunities, and we just didn't take them, I suppose. You know, yeah. but um, yeah, look, fair play, credit must go to them. They're, they're a fantastic team. Yeah, Rockbond, you held them to 1 1 in the second half, but it was those mistakes that left them in for the scores to prove costly. But the way he improved in the second half, the way he tightened up as well, I mean, it's it's it's, it's not going to feel like it now, but it will, something to build on. Oh, yeah, look, absolutely. And I mean, look, it's one of those things, you know, we always try and, and, and make it that you're not learning from session to session or week to week, that, you know, half to half, that you can learn, you can learn from things and we tweak things, you know. And yeah, yeah, look, we, we, we conceded a couple of a couple of soft goals we know there could have been more but I mean um, you know and I, and I said it to Kira as well at half time mistakes happen probably a hundred mistakes out there all over the pitch uh, a goalie's mistake sort of seems to be highlighted more but there was loads of mistakes that, that ended up in, in scores there and I mean look we really learned from that we, we, we had better movement in the kick outs for the second half and you know we just all we said was we'd just take the game to them so um, a lot of these players we're going to see at junior and senior level not, in not, too, not too long from now um, and they look like they're ready for it 
Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think a big thing is that they were all training kind of as one panel. Um, you know, and and those senior girls that have come up through the ranks and and have been playing for a number of years now, and, and the adult um, team, it stands to them getting that training along with them. Do you know the sharpness is a, is a bit more, and they have to be thinking a bit more. So I, I think you can kind of tell that from some of them there. Do you know there was there was definitely you know a step up from from a lot of them, and it's it's great to see them playing such good football as well. Commiserations and thanks for talking to us. Thank you, man. Thanks. Cheers. Sir. Yeah, commiserations to Castlehaven there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, into entry time at the City Ground. And United, I, I think that was going to be a goal. Armand Bissaki just blocked a shot from Anthony. 2-0, of course, uh, about three minutes left there. All right, let's hear from the victorious Rockbond manager, Alan Whelan. Uh, Alan Whelan, Rockbond, hold on to win the county final by a single point, but you'll be the first to admit that Castlehaven really put it up to you, but well done. Ah, oh, yeah, listen, job was a great game. Two brilliant teams went end-to-end right in the start. You know, sort of credit both teams. It was one winner, but two fantastic teams. Yeah, like, and it's the way football should be played, as you saw out there today. Yeah, a rip-roaring first half, loads of scores, but you only managed 1-1 in the second half, Jennifer Whelan, but it was enough. It was enough, yeah. It wasn't part of the plan, but, <laughs> you know, games like that, Castlehaven has an, had us on the back foot there most of the second half. Yeah. We couldn't seem to get out there. Really good team. We played them a number of years ago in the Junior B County Final, and they've gone from there up to senior. So they're a real strong outfit down there, really doing well. Football is the religion on West, as we all know. But our girls, thankfully, were able to hold on there. Taking some very young girls playing. Yeah. Nikki Hosford and, and Ivy Toomey and, and girls like that, Avril, Avril Sullivan. And they've really shown great kind of maturity there today. You know? What does it mean? What will it do for the club? Oh, it's, it's fantastic. We won this competition four years ago just before COVID. And what it does is the younger girls in integrates them into the adult level of the club, which is hugely important for us. And it shows them, you know, the, the work that they're doing. There's a reward there for it as well, you know. But yeah, it's fantastic. Considering the grade, this was a really high quality final. You'd hold your own as a grade up? We'd like we'd like to have thought so. We'd like to think so. And you know, but you know, it's important for the girls. Momentum and winning things is fantastic as well. So we were working out with the minors there, 16s on our junior team, so we can continue to progress, develop, and there's a great bunch of people involved in the club there working very hard on and off the pitch. So yeah. please God, we we'll keep that up. It's important for Cartier's football to have a competitive rock ball, and you're coming back. We are. We are. We're working hard. We have a couple of girls back now. Valerie is back this year and Laura Crowley and girls yeah. like that have been involved in the past and it's great to have them because it, it gives the girls really some strong team but that standard but again like you see Castlehaven there we want to emulate what they've done in the last few years because they, they're, they're a standard bearer what they've done in the last number of years and all credit to them for that Thanks for stuff go and enjoy George, Thanks a million All the best Good Cheers, to see you yeah, well done to everybody there and uh, thanks a million to Jar McCarthy who was at uh, Bishopstown for those two games. Um, all right, uh, we spoke about Arsenal's hopes of winning the title, being dealt a blow, um, obviously being held with two, a two-all draw. We're going to hear a little snippet from boss Mikel Arteta. He said it was disappointing from his side after conceding in the first half. They started to play very direct. We could not control those situations and you start to get in that roller coaster where everything is throwing and then corner and then corner and then throwing. And we didn't manage to get away from that. And when we did in the second half a little bit with the changes, it wasn't enough. Full time at the City Ground. It's ended Nottingham first nil Manchester United two. That means Manchester United move up to third in the table. Uh, holders Chelsea booked their place in the Women's FA Cup final. A second half goal from Sam Kerr sealed the win over Aston Villa at the Bescott Stadium. Chelsea will play Manchester United in the decider. Celtic moved within seven points of retaining their Scottish Premiership title after a 4-1 victory at relegation threatened Kilmarnock. The visitors scored all their goals within the first 27 minutes. And uh, Dundalk and Derry drew two all in the League of Ireland Premier 
Division, uh, their game in the Premier Division at Oriel Park. Um, we mentioned obviously Cork falling to defeat against Galway. Um, must give a shout out to the Kerry Camogie team who picked up the Division 2 title. Uh, so it was a, a big win for them over Meath. 14 points to 13 was the final score there. In rugby, France scored nine tries in a 55 nil battering of Scotland in the TikTok Women's Six Nations. The French remain undefeated in the tournament and are just a point behind England at the top of the table. The Scots remain bottom without a point so far. And in golf, Shane Lowry managed to get back to level par in the closing stage of his of his final round at the RBC Heritage in South Carolina. Um, and England's Matt's, Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick leads on 14 under. I think he's teed off in the uh, in the last hour or so. All right, we're going to get a full-time update from the Manchester United game, uh, hopefully very, very soon. Um, until then, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk basketball. Uh, we're going to hear from Glenmar captain Anya McKenna, and we're going to hear from uh, the three Red Kings, Tom Savage, on Munster's big win yesterday in South Africa. Don't go away. The Big Red Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Corks Red. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Corks Red FM. Aidan Lee, you're with you until 7 o'clock. As mentioned before the break, it ended Nottingham Forest 2 uh, nil, Manchester United 2. Here's Clive Edwards. It's finished Nottingham Forest 0, Manchester United 2. Goals in the first half from Anthony and in the second half from Dallow secured the three points for Manchester United. It takes them up to third place in the league and it leaves Nottingham Forest in the bottom three. United deserved the win. They could have extended it on several occasions. Fernandes, Sancho and Anthony, a constant threat to the Forest defence. It finished Nottingham Forest nil, Man United two. Big three points for United. It takes them three clear of Newcastle in third place once again. And uh, yeah, capitalising on, on a few poor results uh, from the other teams around that area as well. Aston Villa up next for them in the league, obviously after a, an FA Cup semi-final against Brighton. And obviously a, a salvage job to go and uh, try and get the job done against Sevilla next Thursday. All right, uh, we're going to talk basketball a little later on. First of all, let's have a look and uh, and, a, and a listen to Tom Savage about that win for Munster yesterday against uh, the Stormers, 26-23. It was an important one. Here's Tom Savage. All right, Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings is on the line to look back at uh, an important win for Munster yesterday in South Africa. Um, first of all, uh, thanks a minute for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Delighted to be here as as usual. Uh, Munster ended a 19-game winning streak against the Stormers yesterday, which is a stat that's uh, quite impressive for for both sides, really, when you think about it. And uh, especially considering how poor Munster played a couple of weeks ago in the Champions Cup, this was massive. Huge. Uh, You look at this game, and I think this performance, probably the most credible result that Munster have had in the last two seasons, maybe a bit more. Um, as away games go, there is not many more difficult places to go than uh, the Stormers in Cape Town. And for Munster to go there and win in the manner that they did, riding out really tough parts of that game, is just very credible. This team, this coaching staff, the club needed a win like that. 
and this is like again I think people have this idea with the league uh, with you know I think you know URC is not really perceived at the same level as, as the Champions Cup I was speaking to somebody involved in the, like in the game afterwards they were saying that was test match intensity um, so for Munster to go and win that game as physical as it was as, as, as vicious physically as it was out there that, that's a huge feather in the cap of this group and it will just give them huge amounts of belief in terms of this, compared to what we saw against the Sharks, what what, what were the main changes from Munster? Oh, well, look, it, it, you look at that game against the Sharks, the first thing that stood out was the physicality wasn't where it needed to be. Um, this team, Munster, I think over the course of the last few decades, have kind of prided themselves on being one of the most physical teams that you can possibly play against. It's not just in the in the tackle or carrying the ball. It's about your work at the breakdown. Against the, the Sharks, the breakdown was nowhere near, not even close to where it needed to be. Against the Stormers, it was a wood chipper. Uh, Munster were flying in at the breakdown, really impacting guys, making sure that that ball got retained and that when fellas put their heads or their bodies on the line, that they were putting their bodies on the line. Um, some of the physicality, some of the shots there were just, again, of the highest standard physically that you could that, 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 like that you can get in this game. So for Munster, that's a great place to start. The line-out and the mall were much, much better. They seemed to be far simpler than what they were trying at times uh, against the, the Sharks. That simplicity is helped by having a guy who's like six foot nine in, in RG Snayman, who is outstanding in this game. Um, you know, you look at Peter Romani as well. Like, he was on it in this game. And when Peter Romani is on there are few players in the game who can match him with regards to his ability to impact games. Um, Munster needed a, a performance here. You know, you look at, at that winning or the loss against the Sharks rather, that's the sort of loss that can knock a, knock a group of players out of their strike completely. And you think you look, you look at coaches, they, they look for reactions after a game like that. When you have a poor performance, they look to get a reaction. The problem comes then is when you go looking for a reaction, you go talking about a reaction, but then you don't get it. So Munster needed to get that here, and they did. They got the physical and, and I suppose the, the emotional response that they wanted from this, from this group, not only to go out there and to perform physically, but to weather really tough moments and then to come out and get the win. Um, that's exactly what this group needed. And to come away with a bonus point win, nobody's doing that in, in, in Cape Town over the last two seasons. So for Munster to do that, it'll just give them so much belief in themselves. And I think that's the biggest thing with this group. Yeah, you could look at elements of the playing group need to improve, or you could look to sign guys in to fix up that unit or this unit or whatever. But the biggest thing I've, I've seen with this, with this monster side over the last couple of years is belief. Do they have the belief to go out there and to, to pull out a win like this? Not about bottle, but to have the, the, the I suppose, the, the iron to go out there and, and to win a game like this will just do them the world of good. Talk to me about uh, Dermot Barron, who went over for a couple of tries. You know, the the, the passerby mightn't uh, know too much about him. Uh, to tell us about him, obviously, a huge night for him last night. Great night for him. You look at in in the modern game, hookers are scoring so many tries. Um, you look at the the mall. I think has never been more powerful as a, a scoring tool. I think you look at Monster this season. The line out in the mall has not been at the level that it needs to be at. 
Um, I think that's fair enough to say. Dermot Barron uh, is a guy, not, not, he'll be known to, to some people, I would say, but he's not at the level of a Dan Sheehan or even Tom Stewart when it comes to name recognition at the moment. But he's going to get there, I think. He is a guy who might not be as explosive as a, as a Dan Sheehan, but you look at his... His, his basics as a, as, as a hooker, his line-out throwing, typically very good. Good scrummager, good breakdown guy. Um, and when he is accurate at the line-out, um, he's got such a range of throwing, such a variety in his, in his, in his arsenal of throws that he's a fellow who I think has got a very, very high ceiling. Now, he picked up a neck injury here, which is never really, never good for, for a hooker. But I think as the game evolves over the next couple of years, I think Dermot Barron has a lot of the tools that you would need for the modern hooker, as would uh, Kinsale's own Scott Buckley, who uh, came on for Dermot Barron and nailed an absolute beaut of a pressure throw right when Munster needed it, scored the what would be the winning try off it. Huge moment for that young man. Um, and and just you know, good to see those young players coming through and and, and really producing. Yeah, and uh, two more Cork try scores in Shane Daly and Gavin Coombs as well. It's funny enough the uh, Shane Daly try. I don't know was it the camera angle, but the, every every pass seemed to look like it was going forward. I, I was sure that the, the Shane Daly try was going to be pulled back. It obviously was just the camera angle, but uh, he's having a brilliant season, isn't he? He really is. Uh, I think you look at Shane Daly. He was involved in the same um, under-20 World Championship team as uh, James Ryan and Andrew Porter and Hugo Keenan. He is a player who's already been capped uh, for Ireland. He was playing really well for a couple of seasons, for, well, for, I'd say for a, a season or so, got his international cap and then kind of fell out of favour a little bit internationally. And he seemed in the system that Munster were running under Johan van Kron, a little bit lost, small bit. It didn't seem to suit what he was good at. When you look at what Munster have done this season, where a lot of the, the work with the, 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 the wingers involves, you know, them looping in field and becoming way, way more involved than what they were last season. They're not just chasing kicks. They're not just waiting out in the wings for, for a pass that may never come. Um, that, Increase in, in, in involvements has just really, really suited Shane Daly. And he's come up with big tries all the way through this season. You look at the opening score against South Africa A in Parky Cueve. You look at this try here. You look at the try against the, 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 the Sharks uh, three weeks ago. He's really having a great season and a breakout year. And you look at him, his profile as a player, like he's 6'3", coming up on 100kg. I think he's got a way to go as a player yet. Like, I don't think we've even seen the best of Shane Daly as it is. So I think his development has been really, really good for Munster. And he's just racked up the appearances this year because his performances have 100% warranted it. Yeah, and it's, it's, I suppose it's good timing to find a player like this as well, obviously with... With Simon Zebo aging and Keith Earls and Andrew Conway, you know they're all they're they're all going over the hill at this stage. Um, obviously not writing them off or anything, but uh, it, it is timely that they found a player like that uh, that is scoring tries. No Joey oh, Carberry, absolutely. yeah, yeah, and no Joey Carberry. Then again, of course, we always have to talk about Joey Carberry. Uh, wouldn't be a chat with you if, if we if we didn't mention Joey Carberry. Um, but it was Jack Crowley and, and Ben Healy coming in. Then what did you make uh, of their performances? Uh, I thought Jack Crowley had like I, I think you look at the physicality that the Stormers brought and look at how difficult it is for a fly half to perform in those environments he really I think had a, had a you know not a, a, compl- a perfect flawless game by any means but you look at the, the overall quality of his game I think I think he'll be more happy than unhappy started to force things a little bit 
in the second half and had a few moments under the high ball that, that, that he'll, he'll, he'll want back. But I think he's really developing as a young player. Like some of the shots he ate in this game, like and just got up and kept playing. That's the kind of stuff that you want because I, I think, and this could be, this, this perception could be completely wrong. Um, but it's something I, I've, I've seen over the last couple of years is that when the physicality goes up on, on Joey Carberry, he has a tendency to drop out of the game a small bit. Jack Crowley never stopped playing here. He never, never, never stepped back. He just kept coming, kept making line breaks. And it didn't work flawlessly for him, but I think he'll be a better player for this game. But you look at Ben Healy, the confidence he came on with, like, honestly, it looks like a bit of Finn Russell rubbed off on him when he was up in the, up at Scotland camp. Um, he came back and he was throwing passes. He was trying those breaks that he just, he kind of wasn't really doing before. And, landed one of the coolest conversions anybody will ever take waited till the clock ran down from 90 seconds kicked it with three seconds left ran off before he'd even ball had even gone over the post because he knew that was gone over really really cool moment for Ben Healy and I'm delighted to see him get that moment as well because uh, he's heading off to Edinburgh at the end of the season obviously he'll be embarking on his Scotland career but um, great moment for him and I think that you know, we're looking at Jack Crowley as being the guy going forward for Munster. I'm not convinced that Joey Carberry is finished by any means, but I think Jack Crowley now has the, the, the box seat and he's a guy who I firmly believe is worth investing in. Um, overall, like this South Africa crack, I'm I'm not a fan of it, to, to be honest. I think the, the Champions Cup game, like that was almost farcical. Like, I, I think... Going down to South Africa, about there was there must have been all of about twenty Munster fans at the game, and like that's is that that's not good for it's not good for the competition. It's not good for the game. Like it, basically, there was no away atmosphere whatsoever, and as on top of it being, I imagine, like really difficult for the provinces. It's massively expensive. I I would imagine too. Like the two weeks between this game uh, yesterday and the game of the Champions Cup and if they had progress they were going to have to go back to Ireland and play the next round of the Champions Cup and come back again and I don't know it's I can't imagine it. it's the Irish provinces and all the provinces I suppose in the Northern Hemisphere it's really difficult It's very difficult logistically I think they love playing the South African teams I think Munster, Leinster all the Irish provinces will be better for having to play teams like the Stormers, teams like the Sharks and the Bulls. Like, they're incredibly physical. They bring games up to test level. And that's something as a prep, as to, to prep for the, the international game, I think Ireland as a, as a nation have become better because of that exposure. At the same time, though, the logistics of it are a massive challenge. And I think also the stadiums that they have in South Africa as well are just, they're almost too big for the crowds they have available. I think you look at that game against the Sharks, there were 27,000 people in that stadium, but it didn't seem like it. Like 27,000 people would fill Thoma Park, but it did not seem that way because it's such a massive stadium. That's something I think they need to get fixed up. I think as well, it may be that, that they'll have to arrange different kind of tours where they're longer in South Africa or longer up north because when it gets to the knockout stage of tournaments, it's going to turn up a little bit like Super Rugby where someone's going to be at a massive disadvantage. I think in this instance, both sides were equally disadvantaged by they were both having to travel down from up north um, a lot over the last couple of weeks. It's got a lot of challenges. I think on the whole though, I think the, the URC is a better product for having them in it. But when it comes to away fans and atmosphere, that's something that's got to be worked out as of yet. But the games, I can't complain because I look at that game yesterday and that was one of like the most high intensity games I've seen outside of Test 7 in quite some time higher even than some Heineken Cup games so I, I think that's a plus but they've, they've, there's some kinks to be ironed out in the format yet for sure You do have to scratch your head though a little bit when you're when you're getting knocked out of, of what was the European Cup 
below in South Africa, you're getting absolutely pummeled. And, uh, you know, it's just a, like Munster were just a shell of a team that day against against the Sharks. Like, it is a bit of a head-scratcher. Like, you know, it's obviously, it's not the European Cup anymore. Like, but it, it, that competition, look, I, I suppose the, it, that competition has seen a lot of changes. Uh, I think format-wise, the, the change has been a bit of a disaster. I think the old the old system was way more exciting. Um, what are your thoughts overall on the Champions Cup as, as a tournament now? As a tournament, I think that the the format they adopted for COVID, they cannot get rid of that soon enough as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's just been like four games in a pool where by the second game, I think everybody knows who's qualifying and who isn't. So there's like there's there's two rounds of dead rubbers almost. They're going to make a change back to the old format, um, but not next season. It'll be the season afterwards. That cannot come soon enough. This is a, a change that's a long time coming. Uh, I think that the changes that have been in there, I think they've made it a worse tournament overall. Uh, I, I think that with you, like good teams make good tournaments. So I look at the I look at the Sharks, I look at the Stormers, I look at the Bulls. I see three very good teams. They're going to have to come up with some way to make it a little bit easier for for travel because like Munster went down and we're playing in basically subtropical conditions at you know just after midday um, South African time and looked look they looked a, a beaten docket coming out at half time so look the conditions are challenging it's just one of those there's no easy way around it but I think getting back to the original pool setup which I think they're doing will go a long way to changing the the, the, the confusion and I suppose some of the the kind of the, the head scratching moments of the the last couple of years in that tournament getting back to the old way I think will at least make it a little bit simpler Finally then Munster obviously back on track now to get get into the Champions Cup next season overall where do you think they're going because it does seem to be, you know, it, it's one step forward, two steps back a lot of times this season. It's a big step being take a, uh, taken going forward yesterday. Now it's just time to, to try and keep keep on going and, and keep that momentum up. Absolutely. Look, I think that this next week against the Sharks will not be played as a cup, you know, an hour or two after midday at the hottest part of the day. It's going to be paid, played in the evening. So that's going to be a bit of a leveler. Um, Munster have business to take care of with the Sharks team. And if they everything goes to plan, they've got an away game against Glasgow coming up in the knockouts, who Glasgow humiliated Munster in Tolman Park a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is a redemption tour to end the season. And I think for Munster, that alone will give the motivation to let's use this belief that they will have picked up from this game. Let's bring that into the next game against the Sharks. Then let's go to Glasgow and settle some business there as well. If they can do that, look, get into a semi-final in the year of a, of a massive rebuild where they've had a radical change in style, I think will be a, a good achievement. Getting to a final would be absolutely massive, but this is not a team at the moment who are ready to win now, I feel. They've got some great players, and I think on their day they can catch anybody, but like that's where Munster are at now. They've got to get to a, a stage where build towards the next season and get to a team who can win next year or the year after. That's the scale of the rebuild that Munster are in right now. But if they can get to that stage where they can get to a semi-final, I think they look at that as being ahead of schedule. And there's no better tester to come than the Sharks in Durban and possibly Glasgow in Scotstoun. Uh, it's set up to be a really, really interesting end of the season. Yeah, it certainly is a big couple of weeks coming up. Tom Savage, great stuff. Thanks a minute for joining us. Thank you.
Yeah, Tom Savage there on Munster's win yesterday in South Africa. Now turning our attention to basketball, Cork players and coaches are celebrating after picking up prestigious end-of-season awards. It was a clean sweep for Cork in the Men's Super League with Kieran O'Sullivan of Emporium Cork Basketball winning Coach of the Year and UCC Demons pair MJ Randolph and James Hannigan winning Player of the Year and Coach of the Year respectively. In the Men's Division 1 awards, Diego O'Hurley of Dwarves of Cork Father Matthews was named Young Player of the Year while Cork's Conor O'Sullivan who plays with Ulster University was named Player of the Year in the Women's Super League Brittany Bird of the Address UCC Glenmire won Player of the Year while Coach of the Year was awarded to Glenmire's Mark Scannell Jar has been catching up uh, with some of them on this week's Women in Sport podcast uh, for the big red bench and he spoke to Glenmire captain Anya McKenna to look back on an incredible season I'm not able to bring the file up. Oh no! Anyway, okay, we're we'll try to get back to that um, and hear that interview as uh, if I can get it um, into the system, um, which can happen at times. Um, but what we'll do is we'll have a look and uh, reflect on the Hear Me Roar series. Over the past few months, we've been playing out Hear Me Roar, Valerie Mulcahy's excellent series as the 10-time All-Ireland winner spoke to six inspiring athletes. Over the course of the series, Valerie spoke to Lisa Maguire, Louise Shanahan, Sunita Puspoor, Nikki Daly, Breach Corkery and Claire Shine. All of the episodes are available online. Go to redfm.ie forward slash Hear Me Roar. We're going to play a clip from episode two, Valerie's chat with Olympic sprinter Louise Shanahan. Was there any other defining moment when you kind of said, oh yeah, Louise, you can do this. There's there's maybe a career in this or there's, I'm actually good enough. Well, when I started off in Leeville, I wasn't particularly good, I was saying. And I think we had a huge number of girls there. And we must have had, I'd say, three relay teams at the county championship. So there's four people on a team. So, you know, that's 12 girls. And I was sub on the C team, which meant I was the 15th best girl. And if they'd had 16 girls, they would have entered a D team. So I was the worst girl in the club in that age group at that time. So I think it was probably maybe when I was 13 or 14 years old that um, I kind of was introduced to middle distance running, 800 meter running. Um, and I kind of had success. I think it was in the indoor races um, were the first ones I did where I really kind of in, enjoyed racing, but also was up high enough in the field to kind That's of good. yeah exactly to get the the kind of buzz the adrenaline rush that you get when you kind of do well in sport that we get addicted to exactly so I think I was probably I was only kind of 12, 13, 14 when I kind of got that and thought okay well actually you know I'm good at this sport more than just kind of someone who's here to make up a team or you know f- yeah. um, r- run kind of on a cross country team so what do you think you know when you're young like what do you just try every category and then find one or how does it work for you how did you just kind of go 800 I know you ran 400 as well and mm-hmm. probably have others like tell me a bit more about that what what have you done and then what have you felt best at yeah so well Leavell is traditionally I would say a sprinting club maybe not kind of um 40 years ago but certainly kind of when I was starting running it it would have been definitely kind of more of a sprinting club and I I always think you know sprinting is the when a kid says they want to be an Olympic runner 
they never think about wanting to be a 5k runner not once they yeah. always want to be a sprinter so you yeah. know when when you have parents bringing kids down they always say oh my son's so fast they never really say like oh you know he'll be really good at the 1500 meters yeah. um, so I, I did a lot of sprinting and you know all my friends would have been sprinters and I think gradually you know we came across to the cross country season and they I would say I didn't particularly enjoy the cross country season but I definitely disliked it a lot less than the other athletes right. and so yeah so I think kind of I tried the sprinting I tried the cross country I was definitely not very good at high jumps that was pretty clear from early on and um, I actually really liked long jump I think I picked up a bronze medal in the under 11 counties and yeah. you know that was something where I, you know I definitely thought I was going to be a long jump for that right. week but um, yeah <laughs> I would say you know I, I tried everything yeah. and yeah gradually I realised okay you know eight 100 meter track is is the thing I'm good at yeah, that was uh, Louis Shannon from episode two of um, Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. And of course, you can hear every episode of Hear Me Roar on redfm.e forward slash hear me roar. Um, all right, I'm having trouble bringing up that basketball chat. Unfortunately, what we're going to do is we're going to talk Muay Thai for Moise Sean Clancy returns to the ring on the biggest stage in the sport soon the Sea Warriors fighter fights on one championships card in the Limpany Stadium in Bangkok on April 28th fighting one of the biggest names in the sport section uh, Rory has been speaking to Sean about getting back into the ring his stitch count speaking Thai and much more all right, delighted to be joined on the line all the way from Thailand by our good pal from Siam Warriors in Cork City, Mr. Sean Clancy. Sean, how are you, sir? I'm still good. Oh, sorry, I can't go. I'm still very good. <laughs> I'll bleep that out at the start. We're four seconds in and I have to bleep out Sean yeah. Clancy. We're off to a flyer. No, we'll start again if you want. <laughs> You're all good, but this is all staying in. Uh, how are things, man? Um, you've been living out in Thailand now for quite a long time. You've really adapted to that professional Thai fighter's yeah, lifestyle. Man. Talk to me a bit about that. Um, it's not an easy lifestyle. People all say living the dream, but... Uh, yeah, it's a hard dream. <laughs> It's a real hard dream. Uh, six hours training a day. We start the mornings. Uh, we're currently, so we have to start at 6 a.m. sharp. Wow. Meaning we're getting up at 5.30 or yeah, 5.30 in the mornings. Take on uh, about a 14K run. Depending on the mood of the trainer, they might make us more, <laughs> run more, which is uh, it's never too fun because of the heat here. It's... Uh, Today clocked in at like 31 degrees, Sweet. so a foreigner like myself literally loses a lot of water weight during this run. Um, and then going, that's our warm up, going straight into training. And uh, yeah, that's just the first hour of training, and there's like five more <laughs> hours of training that day. So yeah, that yeah, sounds fairly intense. When you moved gyms recently as well to, to Sanchez Gym, did you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the one champion, current one champion, Twanache, uh he was my last fight, and uh, he gave me a couple of multiple fractures into the skull. So uh, yeah, it was uh, took my recovery process, and uh, I was super keen to get back in there. And then uh, he gave me a personal invite to his gym, and I trained with his fighters and all that. So it was just mind blowing. Yeah, it's such good respect here and stuff. So it's a, uh, it's it's really cool atmosphere to be in. Yeah, and Sancho, like the biggest legend in the game, probably the biggest name oh, in yes. the game, surely. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was 
So a lot of the fighters at the gym, so not only did I fight Twanachai, but I fought Senchai as well. So I'd, I had a lot of the respect. Usually to say you earn respect. And I, in this case, I really had their respect earned when I walked in through the doors because yeah. they've seen and witnessed me. And I've actually fought that gym five times with wins and losses. So yeah, all good. You, you fought Sancho. Was it bare knuckle or was it just wraps you fought him in? I can't remember. Uh, it, was, it would have been better bare knuckles than to put your hand in this kind of rope wrap. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, every time you get punched with kind of rope, it's just like leaving grizzes in your face and it's just, yeah, knuckles would have been softer. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not to say that. It's not saying a whole lot. Uh, sorry, ma'am, if you're listening. <laughs> and um, Thai fighters, of course, always end up with a, a lot of stitches. What's your stitch count up to now at this point? Oh man, my stitch count is up to 215 on my, my head alone. Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah. It's not a lifestyle Anyone for the fate of her. knows me, knows I'm a, a real, like, patriotic war horse, uh, Irish warrior style. Uh, mm. I go out my shield before I go down and down. Love it. Like, um, you've been out there for how long now? And I'm like, when you went out there, did you think you'd be there this long? Um, no, like to be honest, when I started day one, I remember just coming out here for just to see what it was, and uh, I just got hooked on it. Uh, people all thought it was coming out to the party lifestyle, but no, it was just literally, as I said to people, I was like, Where do you find time to party when you're training six hours a day, mm. six days of the week? And people are like, What do you do in your day off? I'm like, pretty much sleep man it's like you don't want to do much moving around the place uh, yeah you just want to sleep 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 for your day off <laughs> I can imagine and, so. yeah so it took me all by surprise to be honest I never seen my life go this way but um, definitely happy it did yeah mm, you must be fairly proficient in uh, speaking Thai at this point Ian. Uh, see everyone says that so I can speak enough to survive and I can have conversations but it also like in English we have slang talk but in Thai they have different dialects so it's literally like for example one uh, part of Thailand could say and it would mean like what, what's up like kind of what is it then the others would say mm -hmm. so it's like totally different like words everything so it's really hard to learn this language because you could literally just travel an hour out the road and it's just like the language just changed <laughs> Was the language barrier um, a massive issue when you started training? Is it still an issue of training or is it kind of evaporated? Uh, to be honest you just understand that uh, you know when someone is crying whinging pushing you hard or jaw like you understand if it's banter talk or serious talk mm. and the language barrier is still there and it'll always be there because sometimes you just don't understand some of the trainers but their body language kind of you just get it and what they want of you and what the they know when you're pushing yourself you the jaw, they can see it in you as well they can see your body language so uh, yeah it just doesn't matter like for anyone listening they just know like the body language has its own language so that alone kind of helps and when someone's trying to teach you something you can kind of see uh, we have this thing now where I, I can speak in Thai I'll just tell them you show me so now it's gone <laughs> to the stage where they'll do the movement 
and then I know what's required of me because sometimes if they're trying to explain something I mightn't understand the words to what they're trying to say about like mm. pivoting a shoulder or dropping and all that like or slipping to the side I wouldn't have all these fancy words so it's a case of they'll just show me I'll repeat it and there we are we're learning from there on <laughs> I love it man uh, as you mentioned to me at the start there Sean you've been out for a while following that uh, defeat to Tawan Chai um, stepping back into the ring after that I mean like is there a sense of nervousness is there a sense of uh, there could be a sense of ring rust or are you just eager to get back in there oh man it's uh, anyone <laughs> listening it kind of sounds like I'm messed up in the head but it's excitement it's uh, it feels like this is what I was made for like just moments like this jumping in the ring to anyone who watches me and follows me on social media can see I literally enjoy this I love some people consider torture what we put our bodies through like with uh, this whole thing of just pushing your body constantly trying to get the best results Um, many times all I say to people is I'm not aiming to be the best in the world I'm just aiming to be the best version of myself Mm. And that's what always keeps pushing me. When I run like yesterday, I'll try and run a little bit faster today. And my whole mindset is I'm running yesterday's version of myself. And uh, people always ask me, like, why did I take off sprinting? And I was like, because yesterday I was kind of quicker and I had to catch myself. (laughs) I was like, I nearly see a shadow of myself kind of running against myself. So, yeah. Mm, I love it man um, you're back in action shortly on One Championship for people who don't know One Championship Sean just tell us about how big an organisation this is yeah, people have no idea so this is uh, behind like NBA basketball and the, the rankings in the world uh, just on Facebook alone they just had uh, viewers tuning in it was uh, 13 billion viewers because now people don't really watch TVs anymore mm. because it's all social media. People interact with their phones, iPads, or just smart TVs is still watching online. So people just looking at viewership through Facebook, YouTube, all that, they are dominating it. If there are like, uh, was it, 483 million or something viewers and UFC only gets like 240. Mm. Like, I, I can't like have those exact stacks but uh, they're literally doubling what UFC is doing. And uh, now they're actually over in America and they're hitting that starting next month as well. And uh, we all predict it's going to be a takeover as well because it's, uh, it's more action-packed. Uh, like UFC is just uh, only MMA-bound, but uh, one championship covers everything from MMA, Muay Thai, uh, wrestling, uh, kickboxing you know it has all the, the art forms all f- type of fights all in one kind of show one night mm. yeah it's an incredible um, uh, organisation it's an incredible opportunity Ryan Sheehan made his debut there recently yeah yeah he performed very well you were in his corner um, that was a huge opportunity for Ryan and he did very very well in the night massive like people have no idea like um, God, the country needs to get behind us more because what we're doing is like is literally making history we're getting into we're taking on fellas with over three four hundred fight like records and uh we're stepping in against them and we're the irish you know we're known for boxing and stuff and here we are stepping into the the thai boxing world and uh we're getting put on the map you know Mm -hmm. and uh yeah we're, we're looking to get recognized for it as well because 
clearly it takes a lot of hard work with the look at my stitch count for example (laughs) (laughs) we literally do punish ourselves yeah I've seen that firsthand just even from talking to all you guys from Sign Warriors over the years the amount of effort that goes in um, to getting up to, to to fight standard and especially at the standard yourself and Ryan Sheehan are fighting at and you're fighting Sexan on April 28th at the Olympini Stadium um, Sexan oh, yes. just one of the biggest names in the game for a comeback fight Sean you didn't exactly pick an easy one <laughs> I always say it to everyone is like I never like stray from like a good hard fight and uh, this fight I'm a hundred percent winning man I'm I'm all over this uh, oh like all I do is eat sleep and think about this fight um, if I'm not sleeping it's because I'm up all night thinking about the, the movements the process that needs to be done uh, the Connor team here at uh, PK Sanchez Gym is just phenomenal they're just they're going they have all their homework done on this guy and they know the movement of him and uh, they're putting me through the process so it's just like yeah it's I get so this guy has his nickname uh, the man who yields the no man (laughs) Um, yeah get ready April 28th he's going to yield before me (laughs) Uh, breaking more Irish records in history for Thai boxing world I'm happy to do it, you know. I love it, man. I love it, man. Um, like it's such a huge platform, a huge audience. So many eyes will be on you, Sean. It's a, a good opportunity, I suppose, for, for sponsors to get on board because we were chatting uh, before this and you were just saying, basically, you don't get paid while you're in training camp. You want to get paid to fight. So any sponsorship yeah, yeah. at all would be a help. Um, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not a fun thing to... People just think we get... We see people are known to seeing the the boxers, you know, and getting like millions for fights. But in this game, no. Like I remember my first day one, my first ever fight here in Thailand. I got paid a thousand baht, which is the equivalent of probably about twenty euro. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it, it's not that anymore, thankfully. But uh, yeah, it, it's worked up. But it's just still like, yeah. As you can see, I did reach out and look for some kind of like, especially Irish sponsorship because I'd love to have Irish brands on me and mm. just uh, get the support behind me from my own home ground, seeing that I, I will wear the flag as I step into the ring. And uh, man, oh man, I'm going wrapping that flag around me when they raise my hand for that win. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And the thing about one championship as well is, Sean, like we can all watch it on YouTube because they stream their cards there, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they cover everything now. This is what people can't understand. They're, they're covering everything from YouTube. They'll have a Facebook feed. They'll have an Instagram feed. Um, yeah, they have everything. They've literally covered everything. And uh, if anyone out there is aware, no one really kind of gets like a TV kind of viewership anymore. It's all, it's all social mm. media viewership. Yeah, it certainly is. And if anyone wants to get in touch with regard sponsorship, they can find you on, on Facebook and Instagram, I guess, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Clubber Clancy, uh, an easy one to remember. Um, <laughs> if they can't spell Clubber, just go Sean Clancy and, uh, yeah, hopefully my name comes up. <laughs> Sean, always a pleasure, buddy. Really looking forward yeah, to Yeah, fantastic that. stuff there. The very best of luck to Sean when he gets back um, out in the ring in the one championship all right we're, we're massively over time and about to be kicked out the studio here thanks again for tuning in to the big red bench we'll be back next weekend Max Blackburn is on the way with green on red the 
Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.